Hi, thank you for joining us. This Mita del Com podcast episode has been produced by the Mita Diversity Institute Global, which is a member of the Mita del Com consortium. Hello and welcome to this Media Delcom podcast produced by Media Diversity Institute Global and hosted by me, Tanya Saksuski. If you've been listening to our podcast, you may have heard project coordinator Haliki Haroluit from the Estonian team mention a wisdom-based approach to media policy. If you didn't hear that interview, you're probably wondering what it is. Well, in this episode, we talk to Haliki to find out the details. You're encouraging a wisdom-based media policy. What is it? Can you explain it, please? Wisdom-based media policy is dialogic evidence-based policy, if we can put it very briefly. But the idea is that as we are living in the area of acceleration and and more and more information and knowledge is produced, then uh, we need to ask critically how we shall use this knowledge what is produced and also uh, what are actually the knowledge gaps who governs who is taking care of governing the knowledge production agendas and our proposal is that the very classical evidence-based policy means that policy should use evidence and especially when we speak about media policy that we actually need to know what is going on with media and with media consuming, etc. Now, uh, the critical question is that even if we know something, then how the policymakers and other stakeholders use this knowledge. And our proposal is that it is the problem of evidence-based policy is that it is one-way communication. Mostly researchers, but also other non-academic experts are asked to disseminate results. We always try to disseminate everything or to promote something. And our, let me say, information space is full of people who would like to disseminate something. Now we have to ask critically, where is the dialogue? Where is the time and motivation of different stakeholders to listen, and on the basis of listening, to ask further questions so that we finally can negotiate what could be the aim of policy and where is the state of art, where are we now. Just one example, when, for example, a European Union started to promote this media freedom regulation, then the problem is that very different countries actually have very different state of art or the conditions are what we have now are different. So one and the same kind of law would have different effects on different countries or contexts. But for example, if I follow the Estonian discussion, let me say on hate speech, then I discover that There is no knowledge. Is this a problem in Estonian society or not? So this needs some more dialogue between researchers and also policymakers. 
So what you're saying, if I've understood you correctly, is a lot of research is being conducted or commissioned. There's a lot of data being collected, analysed, a lot of findings being made and decisions made on those findings and that data. But you're saying there needs to be another layer of dialogue. Does this apply to more of the sort of European Union where you have an oversight body that then has a law that affects lots of different countries? Is it adding a layer of conversation there or is it also country in country research and decisions? Both in country. Uh, it is all at both levels, national level as well as the European level. As I said, the reason is that you said that uh, quite a lot of knowledge is applied. I won't say so. I would say that sometimes uh, different research provides sometimes even contrasting uh, results. And so some of them are applied, some of not. So there is quite a lot of fuss. And also when we speak about applying certain results, then sometimes the first step to apply doesn't give you any effect. You have to go back to some research questions and ask further questions and then ask, okay, uh, what methodologically can be achieved? What is the quality of the knowledge we can achieve? Does this upend the sort of traditional thinking that, you know, I guess if you're not in research academia or in policymaking, you expect our authorities, our governments to make decisions based on fact, based on research, and you're saying that's not enough? They shouldn't rely on that solely. There has to be more dialogue. So for the average person, how would that change their life? I think that in the first instance, I think that when average person, for example, is listening or watching a TV program where different parties are debating about some, let me say, social issue, health issue, then at least in Estonia, I'm always worried. Uh, okay, you are proposing such and such changes, but have you been doing the evidence-based analysis on whom these changes will affect and how? And then sometimes uh, journalists interview some single experts, and then the people will see, okay, this expert said this, this, that expert said that, that another thing. So it's again fragmented kind of knowledge. But we do not know what is the limits of this knowledge, what we can can say what we cannot say. I would say so that how it affects the common people is that I hope that if policymakers and different stakeholders will put more effort on discussing by themselves also among themselves what kind of evidence we can trust, what are the knowledge gaps where we cannot get information, where is the unpredictable, let me say, processes, and then I think that it is also easier for media to start to pay attention to the quality of political debates and pressure, put more pressure on politicians when they come to media and start to provide arguments, try to be evidence-based and try to be more informed about the sources you are using. So this is very many steps, but the whole, the final aim of all this wisdom-based policy is that the whole society, all the different stakeholders will learn to argue on, let me say, factual basis not just to tell about utopia for the citizens. Just to be clear, very briefly, what then is the difference between evidence-based policy and wisdom-based policy? What's the key difference? Dialogue. 
dialogue. Evidence-based policy is mainly one-way communication. The researchers produce a knowledge or any stakeholders and the policymakers will use it. Wisdom-based, wisdom itself makes the difference. It means that we are sharing. By using more dialogue, we are sharing our experience. We take more time to discuss. It is slower. That is the problem. Yes, in accelerated society, it takes more time. But I think that we need to slow down a bit. Isn't there a big risk, though, that if you have this two-way dialogue, if you have this more negotiation or conversations between the policymakers and researchers, the researchers will feel that they've lost their independence? How can their research then be trusted that it hasn't been swayed, influenced or anything else by, by a government or official? Yes, I think this is the same risk as when we speak about journalists and journalistic autonomy. Yes, there is risk, but I personally do not believe that uh, we are very independent as researchers already now because we are dependent on our grant money. This is one uh, aspect. So we, the agenda setting, we are not uh, autonomous when we speak about agenda setting. That is true. Where we need to be free and autonomous is how we interpret the results and we also need to be honest uh, speaking about the limitations of our knowledge. For example, if we listen to the climate scientists ag again, we have to be careful what is the actual knowledge and where we are not sure. So I think that exactly like journalists, it is the ethics and values of researchers also to be honest and to be self-reflective. And it is exactly like journalists. If this is recalled now and then, what is the position of academic or non-academic researcher of whom they should serve, then I think that it is again the culture that can protect this autonomy and nothing else. I, I think that this is the question of values. Do you think the academic or research community is going to support your call for that more dialogue? I think that uh, yes, theoretically yes, because I remember that most of the scientists are really happy if someone pays attention to them. On the other side, of course, the scientists have to learn more listening also. So it is um, both sides it, everything starts from the listening. You have to listen the other side, the needs of the other side. And then you have to also, you need to be motivated to change sometimes a bit your agenda, to change something, your ideas. So it is flexibility and openness. So I think that there are some people who are very much eager to be in dialogue and who now, already now, are asking by themselves, I have heard them, especially social scientists, why I am doing this. I want to do something that is useful. So there are quite a lot of scientists, especially social scientists, who really want to have some impact, real impact, not only in journals, but real impact to the life. But they are all the time also asking, I'm trying to say something, I'm trying to influence but no one is listening. So could you briefly give me an idea of what would be different about a wisdom-based media policy? How different would the media look? What, what would the change be? I think that the difference would be that when we speak about different stakeholders, then, of course, uh, quite a lot of knowledge is produced by the business itself and media organizations. And in some countries, uh, there is a very nice cooperation between the research and business. In some countries, it is not so. In some countries, we speak about practical uh, journalists, practice-oriented people, and this, oh, these are the theorists, the theoretical thinkers. 
And I think this is one prejudice. Just give you one example. About 10, 15 years ago, researchers in Estonia started to say, we were trying to pursue also the business, don't uh, produce so much online news. You are overproducing. You are wasting resources. And then marketing people didn't believe as much or they didn't want to listen. Now they have come to the same conclusion and everything has been improving. So in some cases, maybe academic people, in some cases, maybe their viewpoint is not not exactly what the business would like to listen in the first instance. I truly believe that also the researchers, media researchers, should uh, more uh, listen what would be the needs of the uh, business. But this is all good in theory, but as you know from your research particularly in in the EU, a lot of countries are backsliding on media freedoms, backsliding on democracy. So is this even feasible? Yeah, I have been been thinking a lot about it. My main idea is actually that although here we are dealing with media and deliberative communication and dialogue, my main idea is that the whole democracy depends on the culture of dialogue and listening. And um, in the acceleration, uh, when uh, the social acceleration is going on and very many changes are, and everyone is fighting for attention, then, of course, our motivation to take time and listen, acceleration itself works against dialogue. And, of course, there is also cultural differences. And I think that also we have to take into consideration the educational differences. The better is the education of the majority of the people, the better possibilities we have for democracy and deliberation. But, of course, one thing I think that we missed when this very, uh, very quick technological development started. Our children learn mathematics and they learn science and they learn to draw, but but there is not much systematic uh, education concerning interpersonal communication skills, for example, listening skill, because it is a skill, and of course, character education, because these things, dialogue also uh, needs quite a lot of people that are able to reflect upon their own values a bit. I think that even if we are a bit late, let's try to catch up. But my idea is that the idea of of dialogue and listening uh, should be widespread. And also in education, it could be in part of uh, character education. And so I think that this might be one possibility to stop a kind of polarization. And also I think that there are very quick changes and... This is what the social acceleration brings about. And everything has changed so quickly. So I think that this is also what we now see. This is the cost of all these very nice changes. So again, going to the dialogue very briefly. If we have to face the bad side of social acceleration and also technological acceleration, I have that we have to think about what could be the remedies. Quick final thought from you. Do you think there's a will from the policymakers, which essentially mostly are governments, politicians, to actually make wisdom-based policy decisions? Are you an optimist, I guess, is what I'm asking. I think that if they got a kind of ex- good experience, how listening and cooperation would help, then I think that this could be a perspective. So an optimistic note to end on. 
You can find out more about the project and its findings on the website mediadelcom.eu. My thanks to Aliki for explaining the wisdom-based approach, and thank you for joining me for this Media Delcom podcast, produced by Media Diversity Institute Global. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please like and share it. With this, we've done for 2023. We wish you a Merry Christmas. We wish you a Merry Christmas. We wish you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. The tidings we bring to you and your kid. We wish you a Merry Christmas and a Delcom wishes you happy, happy holidays. Please stay tuned also in 2024.